coming to you from Whidbey Island, Washington. This is Stories from Women Who Walk. You'll recognize yourself in these true life stories from women who are walking their lives while their lives walk them and the lasting difference their journeys have made. I'm your host, Diane Wiska. Welcome back to part two of this episode with my guest, Tanya Marion, the founder of Talaterra, the host of the Talaterra podcast and director of EE Forward, who joined us from Riverside, California. Previously, I had asked Tanya about an upcoming NAI national conference taking place this fall, 2021. Let's hear what Tanya has to say about this important environmental conference, her presentation, and why it is the opportunity of a lifetime for you to attend virtually or in person, plus much more on all things changing environmental education futures. more about this conference and what you will be presenting? This conference is about all of the changes that are being observed in the field. And uh, my presentation or my conversation, rather, I don't like the word presentation. My conversation is going to be about working independently in community. And so it will be about uh, the work that I do what I've learned so far, what I've learned from the summit, uh, and uh, where I'm going next, or you know, whatever my current projects are at the at the moment. Yeah. Who should consider uh, attending? And it's going to be Zoom. Is it going to be in person? Do we even know what's going to be happening in the world in a couple of months from now? Yeah, it's it's intended to be both. It's a hybrid event. So they'll be in person and they'll also be online. There's two different packages that are described on the NAI website. Uh, the uh, in-person people who register for to be attend in person as of now, they receive, uh, you know, well, one of the things they receive are recordings or access to all of the events, all of the sessions. Uh, the, uh, uh, the people who are, will be participating online, will have access to also a lot of sessions, but fewer, a fewer number of, of sessions. NAI conferences are really fantastic. They are, I've been looking forward to this one, really hoping that it really proceeds as an in-person event. There's so much energy. I love interpreters. They're such good storytellers. They're such grounded, down-to-earth people with such good intentions and big hearts and there's no so much. And so, you know, th their attendance can be like 800 people, but 800 people from cultural and heritage organizations and sites from all over the world. And it's just fascinating. And it's, yeah, I just love, I love this group. And someone who would always describe this conference as leaving on an NAI high, and that's definitely how you leave this conference is with a, is on a high, you know, some conferences are, is like, Oh, okay. What's well, last session is done. Okay. We're good. This was really good, but I'm done. I'm, I'm going through. home. No, but NAI, it's a, it's a genuine high. 
what are maybe three important takeaways that you remember that you brought back to your work, to your community as part of this experience? I won't even call it a conference. Yeah, it is. NAI conferences are humbling because you meet people from so many different organizations in different parts of the world that you really, it broadens your perspective and, and makes you more mindful and thoughtful and, and really a bigger picture of what's going on in the world. And these conferences are energizing because you hear, you learn about all sorts of different things and what people are doing. You say, okay, I can apply some of that here maybe in what I'm doing. Lots of ideas, lots of good ideas. Perhaps this is a good time to turn to the next venture of yours. And there's just so many things. I mean, I, I vision you and there's all these balls, you know, just juggling in the air or these 27 thought balloons. I, you know, I just read about somebody who has 14 books in draft right now and showed a picture of their working (laughs) office space. And there's great big, you know, picnic style tables laid out with stacks of paper. (laughs) I'm just thinking of 14 books, but then I thought of you. And so here's another example of that. (laughs) Um, I understand that another facet of your vision is to establish and build up something you're calling partners, resource, network, mm-hmm. guide, director your mm-hmm. guide, which should be launched um, on or about September 10th, just about the time this program airs on September 9th. Would you be able to reveal more about uh, what uh, we can expect and who this newest uh, resource might be for? This resource is for def- always the independent educators who I know, the independent professionals. And, but the purpose, what's it for, is to establish seamless connections, to support that effort, to continue that effort, to bring to light in a very visible and public way um, these pe- pe- people who work in, in communities um, make it easy for teachers to find people to bring into their classroom. You know, there's directories are usually a local resource, but no, but everybody works global now, right? And mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. after this past year and a half. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that the people I know who work independently, they um, would make good visitors to to a teacher's classroom, you know, through Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever it is that, that you use, um, you know, their impression that they could make, that the way they can change hearts and, and minds would be just as successful through a screen as they would in person. Okay, well, in person is great, but sometimes you, there's someone, you know, you want to learn from who is many hundreds or if not thousands of miles away. Um, you can bring them in. And so the partners, a network is a way to make those types of connections. So we are one planet and Mm -hmm. the past 
year, the gift and the grief, if you will, of the past year or 18 months might be that we do see how intimately connected we are, not even closely. We are intimately connected. We are woven together. And this partner's network that you are envisioning is another step to bringing a directory, maybe a downloadable PDF, other resources to those to further connect the environmental educators who are working independently so that they can be like the, you know, the network and the forest, the forest floor. So everyone is, is sharing, is sharing and working together, Mm -hmm. even though they continue to work independently, they're working in collaboration and cooperation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And everything that I do, the whole objective here is to elevate the field of freelance environmental education. Because like I said, it's I can see it. And I think if so many more people could see it, it could really change. Uh, you know, it could really change people's experience with the world, their views of what's happening in other places. And it's really a, a vehicle to encourage conversation. And um, I don't know, I this, this whole project, I can, f- sometimes I just can't articulate because I can feel it. I can feel it up in, you know, up in, up in here in my chest and my shoulders. And there's, it just generates movement in, in me, you know, makes me want to move my arms, takes to steps forward and do a lot of, Hey, do you know about so-and-so or, Oh, you know, you want to do that? I know someone who, who, who you might want to talk to, you know, or you might be interested in this or in that. And I've, I've always done that. And I've always kind of written it off as me being I don't want to say nerdy, but really, really that because I, oh, there's this resource, there's that resource, there's that. And so sharing and making connections and supporting people with their, with their own ideas. That's, it's really, it's what I've always done. I have an observation and then a question. So the way in which you described this place that you are in, it's one thing to have an idea about a career or a profession or a job. It's another thing to uh, feel it, to have it be an experiential opportunity. And that is what you're sharing with us. This isn't just something that you're hearing about in your head. This is something that you feel down to your toes, you know, down to your core. And that is one of the things that is driving you forward. That's my observation. Mm -hmm. My question is, what three tips might you offer to someone interested in stepping into the role of a freelance environmental educator? Share your ideas, share your thoughts, speak out loud not speaking the words, not speaking your intention does two things. It prevents you from making the type of change that you want to make. Uh, People don't, people need to know what you're thinking. 
because there are people out there who can help you think through you know, everything that you've got swirling around in your head. And uh, so that's the, that's the first thing is to speak, say out loud what you're thinking. The second thing I'd say it's related to that is uh, stop hiding because by not, not speaking out loud, uh, you're not only getting in your own way, you're also hiding, hiding behind what you think you still need to research, hiding behind what you think you still need to read, hiding behind the class you think you still need to take, hiding behind conversation you think you still need to have before you speak aloud what you've been holding in your head and your heart all this time. The third thing I'd say is, it's cliche, but to act as if. By speaking out loud, you can't act as if until you speak out loud, until you stop hiding. And then and then you just take on the posture that you need to take. You act, you just, you act it out in how you move through the world, in how you write your emails, in who you talk to, in how you present yourself online, you know, on Zoom calls. Um, you know, just think about all the different ways that you show up and think about all those different ways and do all those different ways support your intention? Um, do they help you bring your intention to life? Will people be able to, at one glance, recognize you and what you aim to do? Yeah. So speak up. Uh, get out of your own way. Stop hiding. And... Think about all the different ways that you present yourself and does it align with your intention and do all these ways that you show up support you in taking that next step? I couldn't have asked for a better gift. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank and you. In the time, uh, it, I'm sure the listeners think they've come for environmental education and here they're getting a whole <laughs> life coaching episode as well, which I think is absolutely splendid because your words are not falling on deaf ears for me either. Um, in the time we have remaining, I have two topics, actually three, uh, that I want to ask you about. And the first is um, this upcoming Story Center Earth Story Screening. Um, I understand that that's taking place also um, at, toward the end of September. You've got a part in this. Could you tell us a little bit more about this upcoming event and how uh, our listeners might be able to access it? Mm -hmm. in the Earth Stories workshop, it was a pilot workshop run by Story Center and it is about people's experiences with the natural world, with earth or with just their, their experiences with the out, outdoors. And it's really, it's a 
part uh, environmental. Some people had stories about environmental justice. Some had stories about an experience that affected their family. I mean, their stories are, are broad. It was really a wonderful, wonderful group. And the screening, the initial, the first screening that's going to reveal all of the short stories, the video short stories that have come out of the workshop will be September 24th. And people can, uh, it's open to the public and it's free. And if you go to the Story Center's website and I'm, give you the link as well. Uh, and so in the show notes of this of this episode, you can uh, just click on it and and sign up and it will be Friday, September 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, the interview, I had the opportunity to speak with the facilitators and the designers of this of this uh, event. And um, and that was a really wonderful conversation to be able to find out the backstory. And if you attend this live screening, you'll hear the backstory and more, and you'll be able to speak with all the filmmakers uh, who participated, the individuals. Of which you are one, is that correct? Yes, and I was I was one. And the story that I've shared or created is uh, an experience about silence, an experience that I had in the Eastern Sierra during a, a 102 mile bike ride. And you don't call yourself a distance rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, let me ask this, cause I'm going to make sure that we do have the link in the episode notes to that. What do you hope will come about because your story and the others are out in the world as a result of this event? Uh, the Earth Stories event, specifically? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. Greater understanding, realizing that we're really not different. Uh, hearing tolerance, um, patience. And really communication and realizing that you have, everyone has their own story with the outdoors. Uh, when I, you know, I started the podcast about one of the questions I used to ask was, what is your earliest remembrance, memory of enjoying nature? Everybody's got a mm -hmm. memory of enjoying nature, mm -hmm. a first memory. Yeah. A lot of it has rooted in childhood. Some of it was, you know, happened maybe a little later, but everyone has a story related to their experience with the outdoors. Whether you call it the outdoors, we use the word environment or use the word nature, everyone has a story to tell and a story that's close to their heart. And so by having this event get a little bit wider, audience, those of us who haven't had a chance to share our stories might find ways to do that in our communities, having been encouraged by the work of this September 24th event. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. There will be inspiration. Um, absolutely. These are wonderful stories with what these filmmakers have put together.
Speaking of opportunities, I understand you were asked to collaborate on a book chapter about climate solutions. And I'd like to ask you briefly what you anticipate this chapter is going to be about and the experience of collaborating with other professionals on a topic as broad as climate solutions. Yes, this this book chapter is, well, the book is about storytelling. Um, it's the tentative, the formal title is not there yet, the working title. It's about storytelling to um, to address climate solutions. And this is a, a book about all different forms of storytelling. It's for an audience, the audience's practitioners, it's for academics. And so there are sections about, say, entertainment education. There's sections about climate. The chapter I have the opportunity to collaborate on is about science communication, visual science communication specifically. And I get to work with really wonderful, smart professionals um, with really broad ex experiences. And uh, what's it like? It's, uh, it is a broad topic. And so with our initial meetings, we were all over the map because we had to think about this chapter, what we, what should be included, what should be weeded out. And every time we meet, you know, new decisions are made and it's slowly getting, you know, whittled down to focus, um, to some, more, you know, more and more focus. It's, um, it's, it's rewarding. I, I don't know what to say. It is definitely rewarding because I'm learning uh, things about science communication. I'm learning more things about science illustration. I'm seeing things through their eyes and through their experiences with previous clients, with publishers, with um, teaching, you know, all sorts of different things. It's, it's wonderful. And I am just thrilled to have been invited to participate. Well, they couldn't have asked for a better professional, environmental educator working independently. And I don't know if you've heard it, but throughout this time we've been talking together, there is such a broad theme of connection, inclusion, opportunity, positivity. Um, perhaps when you sit and listen to it, uh, you might hear the same thing um, or, or different, and I'd like to imagine that our listeners might hear similar things, but it it strikes me from beginning to end that there has been this strong tie, a braid, if you will, of these themes that I have got to associate with nature. So the idea that what you're what you're about connecting, advocating for um, speaking on behalf of not only the freelance environmental educators, but the earth is, is hopeful. 
is a very, Mm -hmm. very hopeful message. Yes. And on that note, as we sit here today, what would you like to see happen in the world as a result of your work? I would like to see less tension between people who want to manage and care for natural resources, who want to talk about the planet as a home for for everybody, and the people who don't necessarily see things that way. And I would hope that by bringing attention to the individuals who are working through their communities, who are working with families and children and teachers and municipalities and businesses, that they, that people see, um, that attention is not necessary, that this isn't an us versus them endeavor or initiative. That's, that's what I'd like to, to see. Um, I'd like to see the independent professionals be respected for their knowledge, for the, their expertise for and and to be respected not only in just how you communicate with them but also in how you acknowledge their professionalism like you would acknowledge any professional and that is with reasonable pay <laughs> that's part of it this is part of this as well part of this project that would be appropriate that mm-hmm. there is Um, appropriate remuneration, compensation, Mm -hmm. that just because someone works inside a building doesn't make them any more worthwhile than someone who works outside of a building. Mm -hmm. And so the advocacy, the note of advocacy and connection comes through again. Mm -hmm. Yes. Before I say thank you to Tanya, I want to mention that all social media links and connections to stay in touch with Tanya Marion will be posted in the episode notes. Make sure you drop by her website, subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast, remembering that episode 100 will be aired on New Year's Eve for those of you who are dancing at home, and join the co-partnering opportunities to connect with other environmental professionals who are working independently. And I want to say thank you very much, Tanya, for walking with us and sharing your story of how a young high school student who didn't even like plants was inspired by a teacher to become dedicated to bringing attention to the contributions that freelance environmental education professionals make to lifelong learning in communities. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. 
on the show. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a delight. And when we stop recording, we can go back to laughing again. <laughs> journey. Thank you for listening to part two of this episode of Stories from Women Who Walk with your host, Diane Wiska, and my guest, Tanya Marion, the founder of Talaterra, the host of the Talaterra podcast and director of EE Forward. We hope you are informed, inspired, and illuminated by our conversation about all things environmental. You're also invited to check out over 420 episodes of this podcast, Stories from Women Who Walk, found on Simplecast, or your favorite podcast platform, including Android, and my website, Quarter Moon Story Arts. This is the place to thrive together. Come for the stories, stay for the magic. And speaking of magic, I hope you'll subscribe, follow, share a nice shout out on your social media or podcast channel of choice and join us next time. You will have wonderful company as we walk our lives together. <laughs>